They describe themselves as sexy, sneaky, and a good reader. I like all of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but all of them together? That's kind of like, <laughs> ooh, I don't know if that's trouble or not. A sexy, sneaky, good reader? <laughs> that's tricky. I don't know. Yeah, because I'm imagining if those, like, if you're like, describe yourself in three, you know, three words or phrases, and they said sexy, sneaky, good reader, I'd be like, what? Like, why are those the... The traits and how is sexy a trait? I don't know. So. <laughs> yeah. So, so that though they're like obviously very comfortable with themselves as a sexual person. Like, yeah. You know, oh, okay. Sneaky. I think I actually have more problems sneaky. Not gonna lie. Like, why? Like, where are you, you sneaky that you know that? You know. And if they're a sneaky person and they're a good reader, it's like I don't know. I just don't like you're sneaky and a good reader. Like, like at the same that? time, yeah. Like that's trouble. What are you, Superman? You can't be sneaky here. and a good reader. That doesn't work. Welcome to the Modly Awkward Podcast, honest talk about young adulthood, the messy, the marvelous, and as always, the mildly awkward. I am your co-host, Corby, and I'm a real silly Billy. And I'm your other co-host, Maddie, and I have been told I have the personality of a wet tortilla. And I'm Jamie, and I've been told that I am an existential teddy bear on a trampoline. That's fantastic. Well, welcome to the podcast, Jamie. Thank you. Um, so, Jamie's our guest today, who is an actual real-life expert that we've literally never had in our studio before. (laughs) Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I don't know if I'd call myself an expert. We have set the bar very low. (laughs) (laughs) That helps, that helps, yes. Um, Well, I I really enjoy working with um, college students and helping them explore themselves as far as their personality types, values, and how that connects to their major choice, career choice, um, and that's something that I went through when I was a student, and so that's why I do what I do. Thank you so much. So we're going to go ahead and get started right away. And now that we know that you work with college students, what do you think are the most important traits of an emerging adulthood today? I feel like I have to think about myself a little bit and what I went through in that process, because that looks very different to everyone. But I think that exploration of self and identity is the thing that I notice a lot in people that's like triggered once they start on a college campus. It's kind of like you have that space and that time to really explore. And suddenly everything comes bursting out and yep. who am I? Who are you? <laughs> yeah. And it can be really exciting and it can be really fun, but it can also be really scary and um, really hard too. I don't know. Did we mention this before? This, this, this episode is going to be about personality. Oh. I don't know if we said that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think so. I have a forgetful personality. No, that's not a thing. Um, so are there any like specific traits that you see as being really important for like specific things? Like, oh, this personality will trait will really help with getting a job or getting a romantic partner. Well, I think when, well, as an extrovert, I can say when I get nervous, I start to talk really, 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 really fast and I breathe really heavy, and I get really sweaty, (laughs) and that's not cute during an interview (laughs) for anybody. Um, So I have had to work a lot on, like, slowing myself down and being really clear. Um, That's also not good on a date either when you're sweaty and talking really fast. And (laughs) I don't think there's been many guys that have been impressed about that with me. So, (laughs) yeah, self-control and self-awareness. Yeah, that's also like, so it's like kind of harnessing what your personality is, it sounds like almost, or like portraying it in a way that's not super activated or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is like how I I think activated is like, for me, the right word. It's just like, you put me in a room with like five introverts and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm on, like, I'm just like (laughs) bouncing off the walls. Um, I don't know how the introverts feel about that, but I feel pretty great. And so, um, yeah, that harnessing piece is important, I think. How long have you been working with college students? Yeah, I guess if you were to like count 
right now, like my full-time experience, it's been about seven years. Um, and then in my master's program, I worked with college students too. So how many years is that? Seven plus two? That's nine <laughs> years. Oh my gosh, that's so many years. I just feel really old all of a sudden. Oh, I'm sad now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Or reframe it, almost a decade of experience. Right, no. With I... existentially confused <laughs> yes, people. exactly, yeah. Do you see a difference in personality trends among your students from now versus when you first started? I think that that's changed based off of the work that I've done. I definitely see more external influences on personality types, like mental health, anxiety, which is really tough um, for people, for sure. Because I think college is way more stressful now than it used to be. That's really validating to hear. <laughs> yeah, it is super. Like, I feel like everybody's talking about the millions of things that they're doing. And I'm just sitting there nodding like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And in my mind, I'm like, wow, I didn't do half as much. And I still got a job. Like, you know, what happened over time? Um, I think things have just gotten more competitive. And the job market oh is, you know, I mean, the job market's great. But um, I think that universities create that culture where... We just want to do more and have more things on our plates. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because one of my parents is a university professor as well in, in the Twin Cities, and he's definitely noticed that students, or at least he reports, because he's been teaching for like 30 years or so, but that like students are getting more anxious now mm. than they were before. And like so he tempers it by saying, like, let's just do papers, I won't do exams. And he really wants to bring one of his dogs in Aww. to the classroom. <laughs> but the dog is very nervous and would not do very well. So <laughs> It sounds like he went through college. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of us. What changed that little dog? It's like, I can't do it, all these clubs and, you know, extracurriculars. Yeah. And yeah. Speaking of pets, do you think pets have personality? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I do think so. Mm -hmm. And I haven't figured out if it's like for dogs by breed. I, I, but I came to a conclusion this morning when I was brushing my teeth that all cats are jays. So they're all high in judging. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I really think it's true. <laughs> they're all high in judging. Yeah, I can imagine oh so. I think my cat is very judgy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She always, she always wants to like have <clears throat> things done at a certain time and I'm just like come on like it can wait and she's like no it can't mm. it's like you're a cat like what else do you have to do <laughs> I'm the one that pays the bills right. I should say one. Oh, that's fantastic yeah do you think your your parents dogs my pa have? I was gonna say one of my parents dogs is very high in J as well mm -hmm. but we call her a cat dog because she kind of acts like a cat <laughs> so how many do you have just one cat or do you have other pets or yeah I, I mean I grew up with pets in my house my whole life right now I well I had two one of them passed away in March um but the one that I have now so she's like the survivor of the two <laughs> which I'm wondering if that's affecting her personality type oh. <laughs> we're, we're getting through it together but yeah. um yeah so I've had her for about seven years now wow do you think okay I have a kind of a theory about pet personalities, I think for dogs at least, because that's all I have experience with, is it, it depends on size. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, totally. Because my mom's eight-pound dog is just pure evil. <laughs> She's so mean to everyone. She tries to bite my brother all the time, like, even no matter what he's doing. But the bigger it gets, they seem to calm down a bit. Yeah. You know, be a little nicer. Yeah, I think it has to do with, like, their self-confidence, you know, because, like, little dogs are not as confident as big dogs, right? Because they don't have, like, the stature or, like, the power. My they don't mom... have anything to prove, right? Uh, right, exactly, right? Yeah, my mom has a teeny tiny dog, and he's just bossy. Like, he's just like, right now, I want this now. Like, <laughs> Do you think that translates to humans at all? Like, if you have less to prove or if you're more confident in yourself, are you less mean and judgy? <laughs> That's a really good question. If you have less to prove, you're more mean? No, like, if it's so going along with a sort of dog thing. So, like, you know, the little dogs who feel, like, oh. very insecure, they're yeah. very mean and judgy. Do you think for humans, like, the more secure we get, the less likely we are to be super judgmental or, like, mean or bossy? I, I don't know. I think um, I'm, like, thinking of people and, like, tallness now. I can't get that out of my head. Like, because <laughs> we're, like, comparing are tall sizes. people nicer tall people than short people is really what I'm asking. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm so sorry to all our short <laughs> listeners. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I think that um, if uh, yeah, how we perceive ourselves, right? Like if we if we feel less confident in ourselves, I think we're more likely to take that out on ourselves and other people. I would I would agree with that for sure because I know I've done that before, where I'm like, 
caught in a moment of feeling like not as confident for whatever reason. And then I want to like, you know, duke it out with the person next to me. And then it, it just is back to me. And you know, what is really going on with me, I think is what I go to. Does your personality change throughout your life? Mm. I, it's not supposed to. I think the whole theory behind the psychology of personality type is that it's more innate. I think it sometimes comes from also how you're socialized and how you grew up. Mm-hmm. I do, I, well, I did think that there was like one hot moment in grad school when I became a J and I took it, but I actually kept all my reports and went back and nope, I was still solid P, yeah. which then I was kind of disappointed. <laughs> about. For context, we're talking about the Myers-Briggs, because yes. I feel like all of us get, like, know what that is, but if you want, can you explain a little bit what that is? The like, Myers-Briggs. we're talking about, like, I and E and P and... Yeah, so the Myers-Briggs type indicator, MBTI, is this assessment, and what it does is it just assesses your personality type and where you um, fit amongst the 16 different personality types. So in this assessment, which is rooted in psychology theory, um, there's these four different facets, and there's a middle point in each facet, so people can be you know, anywhere in between, but the first facet is extroversion versus introversion. People get confused on what those things really mean. It's all about like where you get your energy from. I used to think that introverts were shy Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, maybe they didn't like talking to people and that's not really what it's about. It's about, you know, are you an internal energy worker, processor, or are you external? Mm-hmm. I, well, I was just thinking, like, when I was younger, all I used to, how I would put that together before I actually knew what it was, was introvert, if you were imagining at a party, an introvert was, like, on the couch not talking to anyone, an extrovert was, like, the one in the kitchen talking to people. So I would always, like, frame it in a way that's, like, extroverts just talk a lot and are outgoing, and introverts are shy. So, yeah, it's... Right. It's now that we're learning more, it's like, oh, yeah, it's not, it's like not at all what Well, it's interesting that you say that because like I'm not shy, but I'm very, pretty introverted. My little sister is pretty extroverted, but she's super shy. So she's Mm. like, I just want to be around people. People make me feel so good, but I'm also shy, so. Well, and I think what's interesting about it too is because you can, it's not just one or the other. Um, Like you could be the one at the party who maybe you go up with your friend and you enjoy talking to people, but maybe you're just not the first person to introduce yourself. Maybe Mm. your friend introduces you. So it's a little more complex than, um, you know, the two facets. I know for me, like I now as an adult, I'm still very extroverted, but I had this really existential moment like a month ago where I was talking to a coworker and I was like, I think there's something wrong with me because <laughs> I don't want to be around people anymore no. or have moments where I'm like, I just need to get away. <laughs> and he was like, well, I think that maybe you're just learning when you need reflection time. Oh, I get it. Right. That's true. Cause I feel like, do you think there's sometimes a pressure with being an extrovert to be like, I need to be on all the time or like, I need to be okay with being on all the time. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> there's also like that expectation and then like people ask you to be on. Oh. And I'm like also with an being an ENFP, Um, I feel the need to please everybody. So then I'm just like, yeah, I'll be on. Yeah, I'll be on. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so exhausted. I have to get out of here. Crap. (laughs) So on the topic of personalities changing, do you think that it is okay for someone to change their personality for a romantic partner? Like lie about it? Well, not necessarily lie, but maybe start picking up habits. (laughs) Yeah, try really hard to sort of match their personality with the person. Like what if you had like a long-term partner, for example? and you started to try and mold your personality to be a better fit, would that work? No. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it, because I would just, like, sound stupid. Like, because I think about, like, coming, being a feeling person comes really natural to me. If I tried to sit here and be really logical about things, people would know I was lying or making stuff up, <laughs> because they would just be like, I just saw that headline yesterday, and that's not right. <laughs> and I'd be like, no. I'm right. Like, no, you're not. And they pull it up on their phone. <laughs> so maybe some people can if they can flex really well, but then I would have a conversation about why they can flex so well. There's oh, yeah. probably a circus of an answer behind that um, as far as experiences go. That's interesting. I might try that, though. Wait, try to switch your personality? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, how yeah. Yeah. What do you want to change about your personality, though? Like, What would you want to 
try to switch over or... Oh, I mean, like, for a date. Oh, okay. Yeah, just as, as an experiment yeah. to see, like, oh, what would happen. Hmm. Channel your inner cat. Just be very touchy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this must happen now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think you can tell, though, like, when I meet new people, I've been doing this for so long, and now that I've been doing it as part of my job for the past three years, it's usually the first thing that I just, like, poof, it comes into my head. I'm like, oh, I bet they're Jay. Oh. Mm. That person is really high in tea, I bet. And then I like want to make them take it just so I can be affirmed that I'm right. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> um, Wait, did we? Did I let you get through the rest of the letters? Or do we just start talking after introvert, extrovert? We got, yeah, we got I e super I. derailed. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so E and I is extrovert versus introvert. That's the first yeah. like, aspect. N, S, so like it, it's intuitive, which I know it starts with an I, but... N is the letter, and then S is sensing, um, and those those two pieces are what you naturally notice around you. Um, so, like people high in sensing tend to be more of like the here and now, um, and people are really high in N are like thinking about philosophical things and like how did my tea get into my cup this morning? Mm. That's philosophical. <laughs> 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 and then the third one is thinking versus feeling. Um, which is, it's mostly about how you make decisions. And then the last one is judging, perceiving, <laughs> which is the way you like to live your life. So structure versus spontaneity. And that from there is where we get the 16 different. Yeah, okay. the 16 different combinations. Hey, Mildly Awkward fans, it's almost Halloween. To celebrate, we want to hear your spooky stories and your wild Halloween lore. Write us at mildlyawkwardpodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook page. And you might just hear your story featured on our Halloween episode. So uh, in your work, you do some, you do career counseling as well, right? Yes. Or, okay. Do you know who like the Mark Savickas is and his whole theory of career counseling at all? No. Okay. So like we learned about this like last year as well. Um, uh, but Mark Savickas, like he has a theory where to like figure out your personality and like what fit your career should be. He asks questions like, what books and movies do you like? What's your earliest memory? And then, like, he'll piece it together for you, which mm. to me is a really weird but kind of cool approach to that. And I don't know. I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Do you think it would work? Is that something that sounds, like, kind of too hokey to be useful or what? I feel like I had this done on me now that you say it. Like, that sounds weird. This, somebody <laughs> did this to me. I was at, like, a career conference, and it was part of a presentation that they were doing, like, an open like an open keynote speaker, um, and he, he used Walt Disney as an example and, like, uh, unpacked Walt Disney's, l- like, whole life by this oh, theory, wow. right? Yeah. You can kind of see it unfolding with that example. And I don't remember much, honestly, probably because I, like, blocked it out because I was like, this is weird. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this because then I started thinking about my own childhood. Right. <laughs> like, do, is that ever useful? Though? Like, do you ever ask people that you're career counseling, like, what are your earliest memories? Well, I do, but it's in context of, like, oh. why do you want to be a nurse? I get it. Like, when was the first moment that you realized you wanted to be a nurse? Um, so that we can figure out, like, what that experience is. Did they receive care from a nurse? Um, or is their mom a nurse? Or, you know, something like, what's the connecting point? And then we can figure out, like, what are the themes? Because mm-hmm. chances are they're right. probably not going to be a nurse if they're failing chemistry. Sure. Or, you know, something. So, which is usually weather here like in my office <laughs> um I feel like chemistry why would I want to be a nurse I don't know what else to do that was me when I was a student too so yeah I'm a huge fan of that theory just because it kind of follows that narrative approach mm-hmm. and I'm all for just like figuring out the entire life and what what interest and what things like that so I can see how it applies in terms of actually being backed by research or <laughs> being like know. that kind of it's like how do you measure that like Is how do any, you yeah I don't know how you I mean it would just have to be I use as much time to seem like it worked mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know that's a really hard one yeah you have to like track it too yeah like, like for their lifespan that, yeah <clears throat> I just don't know what my favorite character from a tv show how that reflects but I can see how you might find some parallels I'm like oh that's your favorite but right. but also I 
could not give you a straight answer of who exactly my favorite character would be. Because right. I'm like, the I first thing that... came up is Leslie Nope. So I'm like, but I don't know if I'm a Leslie Nope. So. <laughs> I love Leslie Nope. I aspire to be Leslie Nope in all things I do. Um, is there any question that you like to ask in a career counseling session that's like, oh, this is like one that I absolutely have to make sure. And apart from like the obvious, like, why are you here today? What have you thought about? Well, like, is there any question that's like been giving you some really good results? I mean, I always ask, tell me more. Because that just leads to everything the person wants to unpack, even if they don't want to unpack it. Or, like, any any question that will help them unpack an experience. Like, what was that like for you in my program? Like, dry them out and say, like, really yeah. dig in now. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I say that, we're going to really dig in now, so get <laughs> ready. <laughs> I think, yeah, and I think that the go-to of, like, because people don't, when they come into a career counseling appointment, they don't really know what to expect. So when you start asking questions like that, then you can see a shift in their experience and they start like thinking, their wheels are turning and they're reflecting. Um, And chances are they've never had the space to be able to do that before, right? So in terms of picking a career, do you think it's important to, to pick one that reflects your personality or has been proven to be a best fit? Or do you think it's okay to do work that not necessarily is you? You know, the MBTI actually has a page on this at the end of the report. <laughs> right, because they have, like, suggested careers, right? <laughs> they do, and they also yeah. have, like, what do you do if you want to do an atypical career for your personality type? Mm. So, because I think, um, you know, all of these theories and assessments and things that we take and we learn from are just, it's just, like, one part of who we are. There's so many other things, too, that are identity-based that I think, like, taking everything together into consideration is super important and sometimes you don't really have the freedom to choose a lot of the time um, because you don't know a lot. When I first started working in higher education I knew my personality type because I took that Myers-Briggs when I was a sophomore but I didn't realize that working in financial aid advising wasn't going to be a great fit Mm. because of my personality type. and then when I did it for two years, and I was like, I'm never doing that ever again. <laughs> I don't have the personality type to do this. Or, and my personality type worked kind of against me in a lot of those situations, too, um, which was really tough, being really high in feeling and having people be like, you know, government's taking my money. Can you help me get it back? Oh, and boy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is, I'm so sorry. But yeah. Oh, wow. I can't. So, so what, like, I'm not as familiar with MBTI, but, like, what does it say kind of about than the atypical kind of fit? So um, it doesn't really have any specific things for every personality type for atypical fit. It's just kind of like, here's what you should know that you need as an ISTJ or whatever your personality type is. And so if you can get that in some way, shape or form, like I think it has like three bullet point suggestions on make sure you have these if it's not in your work um, or if it's not working out, this is probably why. Um, so there isn't like a formula or like a, a tip sheet that they give you as far as this is why it will work out or not work out. Um, and I think too, it I just it's part of the, the work of being an adult. Right. Out, <laughs> is so. You just kind of have to get the experience too, which I think that's, that's what makes it really hard for people to like let go of because it's, there's ambiguity and risk involved and some personality types are okay with that and some aren't. So it becomes a challenge, I think. Corby, what is your personality type? INFP. I have not taken the the official one to figure out, like, in terms of... So I haven't assessed it beyond just, like, taking an initial test and saying, like, oh, this is my personality type. So that is something that I'm going to be doing soon. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I think, my, I think my F is a little lower or closer to T. I think it kind of switches depending on the... Um, the situation, but that's what I am for now until I take it next week. So, (laughs) (laughs) then it all changes. (laughs) (laughs) Was counseling one that was suggested for what your type is? Yes, it was actually counseling and helping. And and that was the thing where, because I was pre-physical therapy when I was a student a long, long time ago. And I wanted to be a physical therapist and I had a really bad semester. I was on like academic probation and it was really scary. And um, I remember when I took it, it was like, oh, like you can actually help people in other ways. And so that was really hopeful for me because that's all I wanted to do. And that's the only reason why I wanted to be a physical therapist was so I could help people. So when it gave me other options of like, here's other things that you can do to help, I started to gain hope with that and started to roll with that and explore. 
I guess I'm, I'm kind of worried, though, because the INTJ one, one of the things they recommend is law, and that's what I was doing before going to counseling, and I really did not like it, so I'm always worried. I'm like, I have to go back now. <laughs> like, I'm worried I'm just going to like end up, not that, I mean, I have actual choices as a human, but still, it's do you, worrying. Do you think learning about your personality uh, type influences the way you interact with it, or influences maybe the way you make decisions, like, versus before, where you're just like, I don't, you know, I'm just me, and then you learn, like, this is who you are, you know, and it's not... Like, you start it's not all, more of an INTJ after yeah. you realize I mean, because it, it's not necessarily, because you, you might be in a certain mood when you take the, the test, or you might, there might be in a different place in your life where, you know, there's, like, slight changes that cause you to answer different ways. I have, I have seen that, actually. Um, I think for me, like, my own experience was that I was like, why am I not doing things right? Or why am I not getting this? And then when I learned my personality type, I was like, it's because of this. Woo, like empowerment. Yeah. Like it's just my personality type. Um, but I've seen people take it and they've maybe taken it more than once and they didn't like their personality type. Like it didn't subscribe to like a certain character that they wanted to become. And so they, they kind of use it as like a tool to validate like who they wish they were. Um, which I always want to unpack, like, okay, let's talk more about, like, you know, why this is um, or how this showed up. Because right. I feel like with with Myers-Briggs especially, like, there's no personality type that's like, oh, too bad if you're this one. Like, they're, <laughs> they're pretty neutral, right? It's like, it's right. just who you are. And there's good parts and bad parts to them, right? right. Like, I'm super annoying to people, like, as an ENFP, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, really annoying sometimes. Well, we didn't know how to tell you this, Jamie. I know. <laughs> I just come prepared for that (laughs) all the time. And so, but it's interesting because I think it changes how you view other people too, because it can be helpful, but it can also be like, if you get in your head a lot about it, then it can be really harmful because then you're not becoming what you think is an ideal person in this society. And I think about like what society values and, you know, what's what even like our education system values. I actually think that when you start to learn where your natural abilities are, you stop focusing on trying to like fill in like the blanks with things. And I think you can start to understand how you operate under stress because there's this whole second part to the Myers-Briggs piece of like, actually we are all of these things. There are things that are more natural that come out. And when we operate under stress, we flex into the other into oh, the other facet. I didn't know that. That was mm-hmm. like the It's called being in the grip. <laughs> the hidden MBTI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like for me, I know I start to sound really like logical in my decision making when I'm really stressed about something. Mm. Um, even if it's something as simple about like what to eat for dinner, I try to be really logical about it. If I'm under stress, <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to recall an example, but it's so traumatic I can't even think <laughs> of it right now. I just don't want to go there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. Like, when I get under stress, I just start, like, planning. Very opposite, like, experience of that, because I think I am pretty high in J, so, like, I schedule a lot. And then when I'm really stressed out, I just stress procrastinate. I'm like, I'll just ignore everything. (laughs) 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 I think for me, it's the ambiguity piece, like, that I live in that. But, like, when everything is planned out, I'm like, but what if this happens? How are you going to prepare for that? And so it's almost like, oh, yeah. Now I'm like, I feel like I'm, it's like inception, a moment of inception where I'm, like, like trying to plan, but planning for the unplanned that's planned. I don't know if that makes sense. Because <laughs> I get stressed. Yeah, I'm the same way, being really high in P. Mm-hmm. I get stressed when things are planned, and I don't know if it's because there are no options. Like, I like a lot of options. And it's like, okay, oh, gosh, we're committing to this. Even if it's, like, you know what to drink at dinner, yeah. like order a Coke, like, what if I don't like the Coke? What if I, like... <laughs> what if I see a Sprite going by in a tray and I realize the mistake I made? Right? <laughs> like, all of, like, the, the tart, bubbly goodness that I could have been, like, enjoying and I chose a Coke. <laughs> and then I have to ask to send it back and it's, like, a big ordeal and I feel bad. So then I get into, like, existential teddy bear mode where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, but I really wanted a Sprite. That's like what happens. <laughs> I'm just thinking of how often I panic while trying to order things. <laughs> I just, I can't, I'm just not a very decisive person to begin oh, with. Right. But then if you put me in front of a menu and you're like, okay, you have five seconds to order. Like, whoa. <laughs> like I go back into my head and I just like fetal position. I cannot make this choice. For example, I was at 
Starbucks the other day, and I was on my way to class. It was really hot. It was back just like a week ago when it was like 90 degrees. Um, Welcome to Minnesota. It's October. (laughs) And I was on my way, and I knew it was hot outside. I was waiting for the bus, and I went in there thinking, like, I'm going to get an iced chai latte because it's hot and I want to be cool. I went up there and looked at the menu, and there was, there was someone I knew who worked at this one of the, my other jobs, and so they worked there too. And so I knew them, and it kind of, like, messed my brain up for half a second. And so I'm making the order, I'm like, chai latte. And I see her pull up the cup, and she's, like, <laughs> making it. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, just say ice. Oh, just no. say ice. But I couldn't. I just panic, and I can't. Get out. <laughs> like, but it's like seeing options makes my brain go crazy because I love options. And I love yeah. this kind of the same thing where it's like, what if I didn't order the right thing? Or what if I didn't make the right choice and I'm missing out on something better? Yeah. That's real, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just made my back sweat when you said that example. <laughs> I feel like that happened to me last week. And I was like, just get the same thing you always get. It's safe. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a safe fail, right? Yeah. Like You just can't. But then you see someone... And you're like, oh, hey. And then you're like, shoot. (laughs) My plan is gone. (laughs) Special thanks to Steve Higgins for composing our theme song. Find him on Facebook at Steve Higgins Music. And follow him on Instagram at steve.higgins. So thinking of a fictional leader that maybe you've seen in TV or movies, whatever it may be, do you think there are characters, at least, that are like the perfect leader that you would maybe or pick that to even run? Would, like make a good leader in mm-hmm. real life, because sometimes you see like movie characters would just be terrible people in the real world. But, <laughs> um, are there any that you think okay, they're a leader in fiction, they would actually be pretty effective in the real world? I I feel like I shouldn't say this because this is really odd, but like. The moment you said that, I, like, what jumped into my head was Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I don't know. Scooby, the show or the character? The character. <laughs> Scooby. Scooby-Doo. He's, like, a really great leader, right? Is he? <laughs> I think he <laughs> is. I explain this. Yeah. I just think, like, <laughs> he always knows, like, so he's, like, partners with Shaggy, right? And, like, him and Shaggy go off, and he's, like, kind of Shaggy's alarm system, and Shaggy just goes and does it anyways, and he should be listening to Scooby more. Like, you know, when he's like, when danger's approaching, and he's like, he's good, good judgment. Oh. He's got good judgment. He's like, he rolls with it, you know? Um, I just, I don't know. I just kind of was thinking of the whole gang for some reason, and I'm like, wow, he does not get enough credit. <laughs> like, he carries that group. So... What you're saying is Scooby-Doo 2020. Yes. <laughs> President. That's awesome. I would have never put that together. No, but like, it makes, have... like, it does make sense to me now. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. just don't know if, because I'm thinking leader. I just don't know. Like, I, I understand, like. Wait, of all the concepts we've gone through, this is the giving you the most pause. Like, <laughs> yeah, but is Scooby-Doo a leader? I mean. Can we say that? Can we create a poll for our <laughs> listeners to find out if he really is? I get what you're saying. I just don't know if I would trust him okay, I'd be comfortable what, enough if he was like leading me what characters would you trust to lead you do you think is actually a good leader in real life yes so I'm thinking Jackie Brown from Jackie Brown I don't know if you've ever seen that but she like is so like put together and well like it's partly just like it's how they how she portrays the character too but I would trust her to make decisions and to kind of lead me Going on, uh, Sydney Bristow from Alias. She is totally kick-ass. I would totally want her to, to lead me. Kasima from Orphan Black. Christopherson from Fantastic Mr. Fox. She has some deep cuts, man. Yes. I know. I was like, I feel like we should have defined what like fiction means. Because that's like real to me. <laughs> like, I think I was thinking like cartoons equal mm. fiction. Yeah. Like, <laughs> wait, which one of those was real to you? I don't know. I'm sorry, but they, I think they're all they're, fictional. They're all fiction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, they're all real people, you know? Like, I don't know. Gotcha. Like, you know. Scooby yeah, Doo is like, a, a, like a. Daniel Day Lewis from Lincoln. Like, no, that's <laughs> yeah. a real person. <laughs> <laughs> and my last one being Juan from Moonlight. So I don't know if you've seen Moonlight, oh, but yeah. I would. He is. He's great. Yeah. yeah, I would totally trust him to be a leader. Yeah. What about you, Maddie? Um, I, well, these were more like questions, like, would these people make good leaders? Cause I don't know if I'm totally sold on all of them. Um, like Captain Kirk, Star Trek mm. seems very charismatic, very decisive. Would he be able to actually lead people in real life? Mm. Yes. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure. Cause when I think of Captain Kirk, the first thing I think about is the old series 
where he has a clone or something and he's like sweaty and like going crazy. So I think like, no, not in that moment, but <laughs> we've all had a crazy sweaty moment. So it's okay. <laughs> Hold on. If I can just, okay. I feel like we're going to have a listener correct me on this, but I'm pretty sure the whole clone episode thing, either it's the mirror dimension one where one of them's evil or it was the episode where he gets split in two. And, like, one half of his personality is, like, one clone and the other half is another clone. Uh, that's actually probably what I'm thinking. Yeah, okay, get it right. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is yes. And he'll, be, he'll be a great leader. I mean, there's, like, all the, the joke about Captain Kirk is that he's, like, flirting with everyone. Like, alien, human, just everything. Does that get in the way? I was going to say, maybe that's, like, his, his plan. Like, he's his distraction, right? Like, oh. so when he, like, it's surprising when he, like, shows up, right? And they're like, oh, he's charismatic and he's a good leader. So it's like... He's got it all. He's maybe he's, package. yeah, trying to throw people off. Okay, so then you said earlier where you were like, oh, I can meet people and sort of say, poof, I bet you're really high on this or that. Yeah, because I have a you... crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're just being arbitrarily judgmental here, no. Um, <laughs> could you think, do you think you could do that with fictional characters? Like, if you were put on the spot, mm. which I'm doing right this very second to you, <laughs> could you think of maybe what type Captain Kirk would be? Oh, gosh. I would say he's extroverted for sure. He might be intuitive, I would say, because he's kind of yeah. like a big a big picture. Right, he's like, has the philosophical discussions with the aliens that are trying to blow them up right? and all that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's less in the here now. Well, if he's impulsive, we could, we could justify. I was going to say, I totally <laughs> think feeling. Yeah, I would say feeling as well. And I would say perceiving. Yeah, I was thinking P. So yeah. that's E-N-F-P. So that's that what, that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're a perfect match. We should go on a date. I mean, we wouldn't have to fake our personality types with each other. This whole Sold. time, you were just trying to convince us that you are Captain Kirk. Right? Oh, I see how that is. Perfect match. <laughs> other sort of leaders, fictional leaders I had written down were Leslie Nope, actually. And I would mm-hmm. touch on her amazingness. And then Dwight Schrute. Because I always think it's really interesting how, like, the first few... Okay, this is not on, like, an Office fan cast all of a sudden, but... The first few seasons of The Office, he's sort of like this buffoon type of person, but then he transitions into like a really effective boss by the end. It's amazing. <laughs> I think I might be alone in that estimation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know very little about, when I think of The Office, I haven't seen the show, so <gasps> I know, oh. I know. But when I think of the show, I think of like the few uh, episodes I've seen or the few scenes, and it's always like uh, the CPR scene <laughs> or the fire scene where I'm like, mm, Dwight, probably not. But, but I believe you that he could be an effective leader. Time and encouragement. Right. Mm-hmm. Or opportunity, I think. Yeah. I'm a big Dwight fan. What can I say? <laughs> so we're going to move on to a game. It's going to be called The Hunger Traits. So I have a bowl full of personality traits. These are positive, negative, you neutral. Should take that right by the right by the. See, that's what the listeners come there for. There are one million in here. <laughs> We're going to pull out a trait or two, or however long we want to do it, and you're going to say whether or not it would survive the Hunger Games, or if you want to apply it to our life, where we may be if we continue on the path that America is going on. So if we want to continue to make America great, will this trait that you pull out be a good trait to have in the new world? In the apocalypse. In the apocalypse. Okay. So I'm going to pull the first one just to kind of give an idea. Sorry. There's a lot of Foley work in this episode. <laughs> I want everyone to just really appreciate that. <laughs> the first one is energetic. Would that be a good trait to have in the new world? I'm going to say yes. I think so. I think you would need that kind of ongoing energy in order to survive. Yes, I would I would definitely agree. Energy is important. Good energy mm-hmm. is important. If we're doing like strict hunger games, that's definitely important, right? Because oh, yeah. like first movie Katniss spends most of her time like just running in that movie. So <laughs> you need to you need it. Okay, my turn. That's the sound <laughs> <laughs> it is generous. In terms of thinking of the Hunger Games, I'd say no. Just because you should I don't know. I'm thinking, like, I would want to be on my own to try to survive, but I probably wouldn't, but... Unless you're generous with roundhouse kicks, then, <laughs> then Generously it's doling a positive up thing. Yes. <laughs> so, Kirby, are you the sort of person who would be like, you know, your district buddy is there, and you're like, you're dead to me already? <laughs> well, I would just run away, and I would leave that 
in the air for them to figure out. Because I just, I don't, I, I don't like the idea of being partnered with someone and then knowing at the end you're going to have to kill them or they kill you. That would scare me so much. So I'd just be like, I'm just going to leave everyone alone. I do want to point out that is like the plot of the first movie that they. they oh, the spoiler! Oh, I've never sorry. seen it. <laughs> oh no! Just kidding, I've seen it. <laughs> okay, what's your trait? Okay, mine is <laughs> aggressive. I would say yes. Yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah. Especially if we're building the resistance, sometimes you have to be just a little aggressive to get that done. Oh yes. <laughs> The next one is unemotional. See, again, this is one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, it could be good to like not, you know, be emotional, get attached maybe, but what if you use your emotions to fool other people? Mm-hmm. That's, That's true. some real trickery. That's true. Also, isn't like motivation or like memory and like so many, I'm in a course right now where we're going over like the structures of the brain and stuff and like so much of memory and decision making is really rooted in emotion too. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know. I think that's, emotion gets a bad rep and it shouldn't get such a bad rep, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is a part of our survival too, how we've adapted to like this emotion means this thing. Like we're reacting this way because we have to get out of the situation or whatever the case may be. So if we're always bogging ourselves down because we don't realize like emotionally like this isn't working, then, you know, we lose out on a lot of things. So I think, I think, I don't know how to answer that though, because I feel like unemotional might be good in terms of just keeping face. But I would, but I can see that as more of like a fake trait. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're so unemotional. They're cold. But in reality, they're, you know, just yeah. trying to portray. So in the new world, it might be really useful. You don't yeah. want people to know you can cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mine is patient. I would say yes, because then you can scheme, right? Yes. <laughs> Schemes take patience. Yes. And if you want other people to pick each other off first, <laughs> you have to be patient, because this is the Hunger Games, yeah, right? Hunker down. <laughs> yes. We're really, like, basically rewriting the whole first Hunger Games. <laughs> we have to point that out. <laughs> like, do they have these traits? And yours? Um, messy. I think this would be bad. Like, what if you just, you know, you can't, like, keep all your bows and arrows out for everybody <laughs> to steal, right? Like, and, Yeah, an organized Hunger Game participant is a successful Hunger Game participant. Mm-hmm. Right? That and if you're leaving, like, a trail of where you've been, <laughs> like, yeah, this person keeps leaving these freaking traps. Yeah, these yeah. food wrappers everywhere. <laughs> right? Or, like, if you're not, if you're just kind of careless, too, like, you know, about what you say, those little, those little J's, those little Ooh, monkey J's, like, like, if you're like, I'm going to murder Brent next, and then they're like, <laughs> I'm going to murder Brent next. Like, everybody would know your master plan. Oh so it's like it's like personal messiness in your like verbal messiness too. Right. Like, yes. Players. Yes. <laughs> if you just look a mess, like no one's gonna right. want to interact with you. No if you're trying to get you friends seriously. and you just look like a slob, <laughs> come on. Find the mildly awkward podcast on iTunes. Subscribe for new episodes dropping every Monday, and leave us a rating and a review. All right, so on our podcast, every every week here, we well, yes, every week, I'm sticking to it, um, we uh, try to give help to our listeners, right? So we have definitely real questions from real people that are not made up at all. And now that we actually have a real expert in our midst, we would like to um, give you these questions to see if you can give some expert advice to our 100% real listeners that wrote in these questions. So the first one is, my best friend of 12 years is a lot like me. He reacts the same way I do, he enjoys the same things on the weekend, and he even dresses like me. I've been thinking about asking him out, but are we too similar? Will our friendship fail if it doesn't work out? And this is from BFF Blues in Wisconsin. Oh, this is serious, it sounds. (laughs) Um, Do you mind sharing your things with someone else? Like, everything? Counterpoint twice as many clothes right away. Very true. Mm. Very true. But, but that's like, assuming that they're like the same size. <laughs> right? Well, Versus what if like they, they like dress the walk same. Walk off with like your favorite shirt and you're like, today I'm going to wear my favorite shirt and it's going to be a great Monday. And you're like, damn it, my favorite shirt. <laughs> so maybe yes, but protect your, your favorite stuff. <laughs> label it. Yes, yes, it can work. Just label it. And be open about any boundaries you have. Mm. Boundaries are important. Yeah. Like favorite shirts and favorite foods and 
all the things that I wouldn't want to share. I'm just thinking <laughs> like I was in the situation. So don't step to Jamie's food. Do insurance not. is basically what we're saying. You <laughs> will feel my wrath. <laughs> so serious. Okay. The next one here. Um, I have a job interview in three days, and I'm worried that they won't think I'm the right fit. What personality traits should I be presenting in order to really sell myself? And it's from Need a Job in Arizona. I, like, want to invite this person in for, like, a practice interview (laughs) 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 to see, like, well, how they're selling themselves to begin with, I guess. Because sometimes, like, I get questions from people about, like, you know, what do I disclose? What do I not disclose? What do I talk about? And sometimes it's like, well, is it professional to say that, you know... What's the worst thing someone's disclosed, either, like, in a practice or a real interview? I mean, I feel like... I've gotten really nervous before and, like, brought up my cats. <laughs> and I feel like that's something that maybe you should wait until, like, after the offer. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I got the job, but yeah. <laughs> it's only because, like, they knew my my personality and they knew me really well. Um, it's important to be yourself, but also not bring up your cats, maybe. Okay, so there's a hard line on cats. There's a hard line on <laughs> cats. cats. Or frogs. They're like, or oh, things. those jays. Oh, wow. Right? <laughs> You're surrounding yourself with jays? All right. I see how it goes. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why I do really well with dogs. I'm a pretty strong jay, so I need some, you know, um, <laughs> some balance. Some around, right? Yeah, yeah. some balance. <laughs> I started online dating, and the woman I'm talking to only describes herself as having three dogs. And when I tried to probe further, she says her dogs rule her life. Should I be trying another technique to get to know her, or should I move on? This is from Doggedly Loved in New Hampshire. Okay, this is me. I just... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even joking. This is me. (laughs) So to the listener out there who wrote this... It's me, but it's just... It's cats. I just said dogs because I wanted to give you something different. A little variety. (laughs) So is there a way that this person could approach you, Jamie? Ask me about my cats. I don't know. I just don't want to stop talking about my cats. <laughs> right. If someone is giving you that, right, that very strong message right? that their dogs are so important, ask them about ask their dogs. Ask dogs. Yeah. What are your dogs? There you go. Right? If, like, maybe she wants, maybe she just really wants to share her dogs with you. Yeah. Maybe you should start, start listening to this person. Right? Doggedly in love. It's romantic now. Ask them names. <laughs> what kind of food do they like? Do they like long walks on the beach? <laughs> Then you start getting those answers. You start getting those root, <laughs> those root personality traits of her herself. No, actually, one time on a date, I was I was like on a walk with a guy, and it was in the middle of the day, and there was some like pet dress up contest going on, and I was I was like trying to like hold it in because I was super excited, but I was like, this is the first date, like you know, don't really know if I like this guy yet, but I want options, right? And so, and then he mentioned like, oh, look at these people, they're so weird. I was like, yeah, so weird. And I like my heart broke inside because I had to like insult my own people in front of him. So weird. Also, we should never see each other again. (laughs) That's right. You have someone in the crowd, Jamie, Jamie. Yeah. Where are you gonna volunteer? (laughs) Or my cats are there already dressed up. They're just like I'm waiting to get the date over so I can like join the fun. Oh boy! So be true to yourself, but also ask people about their pets if they like to bring them up. Yes. Okay. Um, last one here is from someone who says I don't have a personality. When people ask me what my favorite flavor of ice cream is, I can't decide. My Halloween costume is always the same every year, and I don't have a strong opinion on movies. How can I get a personality? From Bland Boy in Bedford. This is me again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How can you get a personality? Does he want a personality would be my first question. I, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I think I can confidently answer yes. Oh, okay. Because I know this person as I mean, if he they, were myself. They've written, <laughs> they've written it, so they've made the effort that they do, in fact, want a personality. Okay. So what's their step? What's their step? What's Where their they step? Go? Mm, maybe take the MBTI. Take the MBTI. You might already have a personality and just not realize. Right, yes. Once you can label it, it's a little different. Right? Like maybe you can't decide on, or maybe with the ice cream flavor, like is it that you can't decide or because there's too many options or like... Is it not that important to you or... Right. And where is Bedford? I don't know. (laughs) Well, because I'm thinking like maybe his uh, cultural surrounding or, Mm. you know, where he lived, do you think that has an impact on, you know, how he... Maybe he thinks he's bland, but in reality, it's like that's just kind of how the cultural 
oh, surrounding yeah. it. Like maybe like when he, if he moves to a different like town, all of a sudden he becomes this unicorn, mm-hmm. like this so rock star unicorn. Maybe he needs to get out. I think so. I agree. <laughs> he needs to get out of Bedford, Indiana, and move to Bedford, Texas, <laughs> or Bedford, Massachusetts. My advice, just to just to throw it in there, everyone should get out of Indiana. So, <laughs> as an Indiana survivor, everyone needs to get out of Indiana. There's no doubt in my mind that is exactly the issue. <laughs> We've solved your problems. For our next game, we are going to do deal breakers. So assuming that all else is fine about this person that you're dating however long, you can imagine maybe you've been on three or four dates. Everything seems fine except for the one thing that we are giving them. Or this is something that's been... Right, like all things being equal, like you're you're getting along with this person, would this thing be the deal breaker that causes you to break it off with them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like considering, like imagine you know, you're single, you've gone on a few dates with this person, all else being equal, is this the thing that's going to make you break up with them? Is this the mm-hmm. deal breaker? Okay. So the first one is they have their MBTI type tattooed on their body. I don't think that's a deal breaker. <gasps> really? Unless so- they're like not aware of like their personality, like, you know what I mean? Like, if they're like, I got this, I'm an ISTJ, but they're not an ISTJ. <laughs> you know, like, but it's like, that's not on purpose. Like, they're bla- like they're just really unaware. Then I'm like, ooh, that's so a deal breaker. So you have to be accurately tattooed. Right. Okay. Like, if they was like, I'm an ENFP, and he, like, really was an ENFP, I'd be like, yeah, let's, I want to get one, too. <laughs> I think it'd be cool if someone had, like, a bunch of different psychology-related tattoos or something, like, or if they're in that field. That'd be kind of neat. See, that'd freak me out. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be a red flag like for me. It's like a picture of Freud. Right. I was going to say, they'd bring you home. They're like, let me get in my Freudian slippers and then we can continue this day. No. I would love that. I would love yeah, that. Yeah, in like a bus with like Carl Jung. Like, <laughs> that would be just a little. A big thank you to our sponsor, Acacia Counseling and Wellness, for your peace of mind. Find them online at www.acaciacw.com. That's A-C-A-C-I-A-C-W.com. Okay, so another deal breaker. They think that introverts are more capable of deep thinking than extroverts. You can't see the face that yeah, I'm making Yeah, I was about right to now. say, her face gives it comp- just all total, away. It's like horror and disgust and like disbelief. Just... I'm such a deep thinker. <laughs> so, so it's a deal breaker. Deal breaker. <laughs> it's insulting to me. Um, <gasps> I say um before everything, so... It's a deal breaker in terms of, I think that's annoying that they would think that, but I wouldn't stop dating someone because of it. Unless they were like really adamant. They're really? like, you're, you're an introvert, like, or, you know, whatever. So, but yeah, not like, a deal breaker. Wait, you're an introvert, right? Yes. Even if someone was like, Corby, like, we know, we're introverts, we get it, we're deep thinkers. Like, those extroverts, <laughs> that would be a deal I would think it, it would not be a deal breaker unless they started like ostracizing people based on it. Like if they were like, um, Corby, let's go have a conversation like... in the kitchen because Jamie's here and she's an extrovert and she just won't get it. I'd be like, what? Like that would be kind of weird to me. But I think if they were just like, blah blah blah, then I maybe could just be like, uh, you're wrong, by the way. Like yeah. that doesn't really affect it. Right. I suppose I could have a debate about it. I think it would be a deal breaker for me too, though, because that's very insufferable. So the next one is: as soon as you start dating, you notice they start dressing the same as you. Deal breaker. I say for me, no, just because I kind of like the way I dress. I was going to say the same thing, but I didn't know if people would judge me. <laughs> judge away, people. Like, we could be, like, cool, like, couple twinsies. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Has some, like, couple clothing. Right? right? Yeah. I know that's, like, a, a bigger in Asia than it is here, but we can make it a thing. And our cats could match, too. Oh, oh boy. Because you know they'd have a cat. Right? They would. <laughs> I mean, I think that'd be weird for me because... I don't know, like, my style is still kind of evolving, I think, so I'd be like, are you as confused as I am? <laughs> you just, like, go back and forth and make each other right. confused. <laughs> we just get to this really strange place where we're both, like, dressing, like, complete weirdos. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a deal breaker for me. I'm going to say maybe on that one. So the next one, they score your first date using a personality compatibility score. So after the first day, they say, oh, we're 75% out of 100. I'm picturing a white room for some reason when <laughs> you say that because right. I don't really know. Step out of the restaurant, oh, like, it was a lab the whole time. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, are they serious about it? What if it was really low? 
Like, right. you know, they were like 85%. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, cool. But what if it was like, oh, 39%. Sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I have a strong cut up at 45. So we were only at 39. Right. I don't think we should see each other again. That would be so weird. What would be your number too? The lowest number that you would say, okay, I should bail. Cause I did okay. Keep it for a while. So my number actually was 55%. Like if we're 55% or less, I'm like, ah, oh, we're probably like, yeah. we just move on. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a difference though with like values versus personal personality a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm making a distinction where there's no difference there, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I think sometimes compatible personality is great, but I think it's for me, I think it's more important to say like, do we agree about the big stuff? You know, like mm-hmm. if someone is like, has a, the personality type that's like super compatible, but they're like super homophobic or something, and be like, well, well no, it doesn't matter what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, it's a value thing, you know? That's so true. What if they were the complete opposite personality type, and maybe you were like 39%, but like it worked? It's a really good 39. You know, like it was a really good 39. <laughs> I would, but I do would you think say. they're hiding some of their traits then, or they're not being true to themselves from that date? So they're so. Well, like if it went well, but then they only got a score of like. Yeah, 30. so if we go back to when Jamie said she's gonna <laughs> try to hide some of her personality. <laughs> do you think like if you said like I think we're at thirty nine percent, but in reality you're pretending to be someone you're not, and you're like, oh, it worked really well, but he's now saying thirty nine percent. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I would go on a second date. If it was yeah. if it was if the chemistry was there, I would just do it. I'd be like, Yeah, okay, okay that's yeah, cute, I but let's go on a second date. Okay, so their nickname is Passive Pat. Passive Pat. <laughs> Another fantastic face you just made at me. <laughs> so probably it's a deal breaker. It might Passive Pat is he calling himself that or are other people he calling does, him that? He does, everyone does. They're like, that's passive. He goes pass. into his favorite bar and they're all like, hey, passive pat. And he's like And he's like, yeah. I love you all. Not like <laughs> like so bad. I wouldn't be able to put up Maybe with that. Just create a passive aggressive pet. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. That's funny. Oh, that's, really funny. <laughs> that's like the worst for me. Passive aggressive, like <laughs> that's what I went to. Passive aggressive pat instead of passive pat. So a hard deal breaker on that one. So it's passive, like, whatever. Yeah, a little bit more like, you make the decision, or... Oh, that's a deal breaker for me. Oh, wow, okay, you want something decisive. I like, not necessarily decisiveness, but like, engagement. Oh, yeah, that's actually a really good way to put that. How about you, Corby, is that a deal breaker, passive pet? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> like that or passive-aggressive pet. Or it's definitely passive-aggressive. <laughs> yeah, that would scare me a little. I'm like, all right, so I know going in... You'd be like, yeah, gonna... sure, we can totally eat here, I guess. <laughs> Chicken was overdone last time, but it's cool. <laughs> That would be so exhausting. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Oh. So the next one, they let their dogs decide whether or not you will work out. So going in, you know, like, date three, this guy always, when they take them back to their house, they let their dogs decide whether or not they're a good person. Wait, how? I was going like, to say the same thing. A yes and no, like a button. Like if the, like if the <laughs> yeah. dog gets near them, then it's like, yeah. If the dog, so if the dog like, likes you. Either growls. or Yeah, basically, yeah. I would pull the same thing on the dogs. Like, this is, <laughs> like I would be like, let me meet your pets. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. You like, kind of flip it a little bit. Connect with your pets. Okay, question though. Would you date someone that your pets really didn't like? I think so. I think so. I think maybe, maybe when it got to like a certain point in the relationship, like when they started staying over, we'd have to like talk a little bit more about <laughs> some of the judgy things that might happen that they can expect or... Yeah. You know, um... Have a question, suggestion for a topic, or maybe you just need some mildly awkward advice. Shoot us an email at mildlyawkwardpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So every week we try to do a headline that is related to millennials, uh, about millennials, not usually written by a millennial. We're still searching. It's our yeah. unicorn. <laughs> Soon we will find the perfect one. But this one comes from time. It's called Millennials, the Me, Me, Me Generation. If you have time, I would say go read this article because it's actually we really good. We will link but... it on our Facebook page when this episode comes out. Mm-hmm. So some of the takeaways uh, are that millennials have come in an age in the era of quantified self. So we're kind of, we're smack dab in the middle of when technology is... Um, exploding and so we start to quantify things we start to see likes as um affirmation we you know the more pictures the better the so it's like it's this idea that we have we're portraying ourselves in ways 
that might not be true to ourselves or we might not be accurate of who, who we really are. And so a lot of people see that as a downside. A lot of people see it as, oh, look, it's an opportunity to express who you are in different ways. Yeah, so another thing is that instead of calling your child a princess or someone that's special, instead say that they are, or just tell them that you love them. And like what, so we start creating a, a crisis of unmet expectation. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, so is that like that's something that it contributes to it being sort of a me generation. It's like you're so self-focused because you're like, I have all these things to live up to. Mm-hmm. I have to be this thing that people are describing me as. Yeah. Ooh. The back sweat's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Ooh. Yeah, I think, but I, I see a lot of truth in that. And I, I sometimes will get on my sister who just had a child and she's like, you're the greatest, like you're, you know, the God or whatever. She's like joking, but it's, I'm like, that's going to create such a, like, or as I know we've spoken about before, DJ Khaled's kid. Yes, yes. How is that child going to grow up? Yeah. What kind of sense of self will he have? Mm-hmm. And I think it just it inflates it, and it doesn't it doesn't allow them to be who they really want to be because they think like I have to be special, or I'm a princess, or I'm you know whatever. So I think I I agree with that in the sense that it then puts an expectation that we feel like we have to meet sometimes, and so sometimes we inflate ourselves, especially online, mm-hmm. to portray. But it's interesting that, like, it seems like, I don't know, I mean, you read this, I didn't read it, but, like, is it coming from saying we're a me generation not because we think we're the best, but, like, we think we have to be the best? Yeah, I think a lot of, that's what the article was saying. Um, When you read it, it's, the author's, it seems like he's, like, attacking millennials, but in reality, there's a lot of deep thought and reflection on it that we are the, we are acting the way we act because (laughs) of the reason. Um, And a lot of that, too, is that we point out that oh, we're not getting married, we're staying at home with our parents longer. But then when you start looking at what that really means, we if you compare it to baby boomers and their parents at a time of Great Depression or a time of war, and you leave yeah. that era, why not settle down? Why not want right, to you know, find true. some peace and get married? Really and interesting. <laughs> Do you see, Jamie, like when you're with your work, because you actually... We're just sort of shooting from the hip here, but like, <laughs> as someone who actually works with college students, do you see that, like, the sort of unmet expectation that, like, self focus, it's like a really based on, like, I'm not living up to things I should oh be Oh my living gosh, up to? yeah. I was actually, like, panicking inside, like, when you were talking about that, because that creates more work for me as a career counselor. Because then what happens is, is like, <laughs> years later, I see your kid because they're at this place now where the competition is the best in the state and they're failing for the first time. And, we can't even have a conversation about wow. why because they're so stuck in the feeling of I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. Oh, wow, that's yeah. intense. It's super intense. What and do you I do to get out of that? Like Yeah, so um what happens for well, on my side, I try to, you know, just kind of let them I try to let let go that I can't, you know, this isn't for me to fix. Um, because usually what happens is people move through it on their own and they're just fine. But it's a lot in the moment when, you know, we're going over the MBTI together and they know they want to do the MBTI as like a way to reflect on themselves to find a different career. But then all of a sudden, like it just literally they break down in the middle of it and be like, I'm sorry, I just can't go over this right now because I can't stop thinking about how I was going to be a physical therapist. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And then it becomes hard for me because I'm not a licensed therapist. Like my job is, you know. Right, it's career counseling, it's career not counseling. mental health counseling. Right. right, and I still want to hold space with people and process their feelings with them, but I do have to kind of um, figure out where that that boundary is for me and, and the student because um, if they're not getting the right help that they need to get through that, then it can be like an ongoing issue and it can affect classes wow, and yeah. things. So oh, that's intense. It's super intense. So parents, you know, and I, I think some of that too is maybe like, I don't know, I guess if I was a parent or in the future when I become a parent one day, I guess, um, thinking about like how much are people really aware with their children, like, you know, being present with their children. Um, because I, I sometimes see that as just as important as telling them that, you know, they're a princess or a prince or um, something non-binary, um, you know. And so how are we maybe instilling self-confidence in them that's not going to harm them later? Interesting. So, like, self-confidence rather than, like, ego inflation or, yes. like, you know, expectation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think another point 
just going off of that and that the article actually mentions is that shift of how we see parents in, uh, in media. So when we were younger, we saw commercials where the parents maybe didn't have a face and they were just wah, wah, wah. You know, it's like that idea <laughs> where, around, yeah, it's like the kid and the parent are different. Mm. And they don't interact in that way. But as we see media start to shift, we start seeing shows where parents are having dialogues with their children and are encouraging that speak back and forth. Yes. And I think that's so important as our generation grows is like, it's okay to talk to your parents. It's yes. okay to talk to people in that different, you know, power structure or whatever, mm -hmm. however way you want to look at it. So I think or, that's like super important. Yeah. Or even shows that like show parents as these imperfect people, mm -hmm. right? Like I watch the show, This Is Us, cry every time. Like doesn't <laughs> even matter. Like the end that the cue of the music at the end, I'm just like bawling and I don't even know why. <laughs> But I was thinking the other day, like, I grew up with, like, Full House and Seventh Heaven, you know, and I'm like, man, I feel like I got the shaft on, like, family TV shows because, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not how families actually are for right. a lot of no, people. Exactly. So... That's this never happens with millennial headlines. You got to like yeah. an unexpectedly deep place. It was nice. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah. You've accidentally I, made a legitimate. I just love that. can go deep. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. So we're gonna wrap up for today. Yes. Thank you so much, Jamie, for hanging out with us. Thank and, you. And talking to us. Yeah. Absolutely. So once again, I am co-host Corby. And I am your other co-host Maddie. And I'm Jamie. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And go to our Facebook. Yeah, our Facebook page, Mildly Awkward Podcast, just on Facebook. Um, we have some, like, polls there and different activities to, like, get involved and kind of talk to other people and stuff. And we've really been appreciating the feedback we've been getting from you guys. So thank you. Uh, but, yeah, go check us out there. Otherwise, we're on iTunes and Podbean. And, yeah, that's 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 been our show. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, bye. See ya.